to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullock, and as always, we like to talk about things related to business continuity, crisis management, COVID, well-being, resilience, anything that can help you, your organization, or your community prepare for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please feel free, reach out. You, to LinkedIn. You can find me on there. I am the only Alex Fullick on LinkedIn, so I'm really easy to find. Alternatively, you can find me at alexfullick.com. Now, I just said, if you want to be a guest on the show, reach out. Well, I have one of those people on the show today. We are going to talk about how business continuity helps organizations with continuous profits. And I'd like to re- uh, welcome to the show, Harsha Sastry. Harsha, welcome to the show. Hi, Alex. Thank you very much for inviting me on this show. Uh, preparing for the unexpected is a wonderful um, theme that uh, you have where you host a lot of professionals. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, the title of the show is wonderful. And the theme for today also is excellent. So let me try to do my best as, um, as you navigate me through the show. Well, That's like my I opening comment for you. <laughs> Like I said uh, before we started recording, you're the star of the show, so you get to say all the things you want to say. So, and I know we have a general outline, but hey, let's see where it takes us. I'm looking forward to our chat today. Okay, no problem, Alex. So it's wonderful that um, uh, that you're telling me uh, about this. So let me start by introducing myself. Yes. Uh, you know, I am Harsha Shastri from India. Uh, I have, uh, you know, a vast experience across uh, various industries. Uh, like the um, IT, IT service industry, the uh, manufacturing industry, uh, the, um, uh, the financial services industry, the FMCG services industry, and uh, the IT services, of course. Now, where I have uh, built in a lot of uh, programs and strategic initiatives, uh, not only for uh, the normal um, operations, but also for business continuity and resilience, across my career in professional life. I worked with multiple groups and that is what I can put on the table right now. As a professional and a practitioner, I contribute to the DRI best practices group on LinkedIn. I also am a person who writes a newsletter on LinkedIn for mm-hmm. the moments of continuity. And uh, we have more than 4,000 uh, subscribers for that newsletter today. Uh, on LinkedIn. So with this small introduction from my side, I would just like to say that um, continuity has been an aspect of my life and it continues to be an aspect of my life because continuity has transformed itself right from being continuous to business resilience, further moving on to operational resilience and further on hopping off to organizational resilience that moving off ahead on the height to disaster risk reduction. So these are uh, various factors of, uh, uh, of resilience that I have uh, navigated, and that's what I like to say. Uh, the second thing that I like to talk about is, uh, you know, when we are speaking about uh, various aspects about, uh, uh, of, of costs and uh, savings that, uh, that continuity uh, programs can bring in, inside. At the same time, how continuity programs can bring in continuous profits. So here are a few things that I would like to say. There are four perspectives that I would like to give. The first perspective is about rediscovery. And when I'm talking about rediscovery, I'm talking about programs that have been there right from legacy, where we had documented plans, then we went on to systems which uh, prepared 
for for systems documentation. At the same time, we went in for point tools, and then we finally went in for automated systems for continuity planning and resilience. What happened in this journey? There was a value that got added in every step, and there was a rediscovery that happened by all organizations, by all professionals in their journey. So that is what we mean by rediscovery. rediscovery you mentioned, also, you mentioned um, legacy programs. What, could you be specific? What kind of programs were you talking about that had plans? Like incident yeah. management or something like that? Yeah. yeah. So if you talk about programs, those programs are related to functional continuity plans. They are related to business continuity plans. They are respected to premise recovery plans. They are related to crisis management plans. They are related to business impact analysis by its whole fulcrum itself. Because every time you want to write or rewrite a plan, you need to start with business impact analysis. And that's the most important element of the entire planning cycle. Now, when we are looking at business impact analysis, the most important aspect that we have to realize is that we are supposed to be reducing the number of important activities and critical business services. The target for an individual is not to have a huge fat number of processes because then the business impact analysis has probably not done the right job. The moment you start having thinner business impact analysis generated with lighter number of processes, functions, activities, services, getting into the critical space, you are going to be more resilient because you have done the first activity of identifying what is really, really important for me as an organization? And everyone has contributed to it. It's not just the professional who has used his brains and uses intelligence and, and tried to do uh, an analysis and brought in, brought in the PIA and said, here is the mismanagement. This is the PIA. No. When you have a thin PIA, it actually means everybody has paid attention to that detail and filtered off many things which someone thought was big and important and then made it small. So it basically means everybody has to have that eye of detail and the knowledge of importance to bring in important activities, critical services and business services which are operationally important for the organization. That is what I meant to say. The second thing that I would like to talk about is speed. Speed is something that we need to requalify. Now, when I'm saying that requalification of speed, it basically means your recovery time objectives and your recovery and your capability to recover. How quickly are you responding to something? See, in the erstwhile, we did not have automated systems for call trees. We had the conventional call tree where we took a phone number and dialed the person. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but today, but today, that is a very important process which still needs to exist because IT can fail any day. So just like we have preparing for the unexpected, you can have IT really telling you bye-bye one day and then the automated calls, calling system would probably fail. In that instance, the only rescue, the only second line of defense that you have is the conventional call tree. And hence, organizations have to have the capability of having one call tree done in a year at least, which is a manual call tree dialing up everyone. So here, the organization plays a very big role. What is the reporting structure that we have? Is it a one is to 100 or is it a one is to five? It's very easy to call five people over a phone, but it's very difficult to call 100 people with the phone. Mm -hmm. So keeping this in mind, keeping this in mind, the structure of an organization also needs to be designed in such a way that there is a one is to four ratio between a manager and the reporters. So that is a perspective that I'm trying to bring. That is about speed. Second thing about speed that I like to talk about is you have 
the normal roads on our in our cities you have the motorway you have the expressway each one has a different speed limit at what you can drive and the most important thing that when i'm saying that we have to recalibrate or have speed requalifications is we as an organization we as professionals need to decide that today after we are having products we are having tools we are having technology we are having everything under the sun which is automatic on on the flip of our fingers can do many things are we at the right speed running as an organization or are we lagging behind are the people inside the organization running at a speed at what we as an organization are running if people do not respond back at the same lightning speed of a automated call tree we would not be able to get the same speed limits that we expect ourselves to run so that is where that is where the value will get added and that is where the cost saving will start coming in with, the with you speed, have though, isn't there isn't there challenges with speeds because uh, or recovery time objectives things like that because wouldn't the uh, situation itself you know a hurricane or a tornado or earthquake that's can, that could potentially have an impact on any sort of timing or speed um, to use your word um you know we're going to have systems up in 4 hours well if you have an earthquake absolutely. chances are pretty good you're not going to make that 4 hours absolutely so 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 the recovery time objectives that organizations define need to be considered needs to be considering the various types of scenarios and events at what they would be recovering you can't have a flat number saying recovery time is 4 hours means it is a dot 4 hours and i am watching the clock now it's 4 hours <laughs> and it has not happened so i'm going to start penalizing you i'm going to start withdrawing your contract no contracts have to be enhanced that is where the speed is going to get aligned because contracts today have only a single recovery time objective indicated that i would require my services and my products to run at a 20 minute rto but 20 minute under what conditions yeah is it exactly. under, is it is it is it just a small hard disk failure or is it about an hurricane hitting us and you want 20 minutes recovery time objectives so these are things which businesses will have to go back to their customers have a negotiation and rebuild the contract or have annexures so that we are very clear that when we are building a plan we are building a realistic plan which is going to work and we are not building a plan to satisfy someone that we have a book which is going to be used number one the second thing is that a plan is expected to work when there is a need for it to work if you are writing a plan and you are wanting it to fail and you want to sit and have a, have a lot of fun about it then we are designing a business continuity to fail mm-hmm. so we can't design something to fail we have to design something to pass but there would be failures because of certain procedures certain standard operating me- methods certain individualistic characteristics certain tooling aspects certain time zone issues because of which you may find that we are losing out somewhere so it's not about losing out or winning it is all about are we planning to win together we want all the three parties to win the customer to win the person who's engaging to win and everybody in the organization in both organizations to win because this is an effort not by a professional this is an effort that has been done by everyone in the organization because today we are talking of operational resilience organizational resilience these are not words to be used to just use them these are words because it means that everyone engages that is the perspective about speed the third thing that i would like to cover about is cmdb everybody knows that cmdb is the configuration management develop uh, management database 
but i call cmdb as the continuity maturity delta bridge now why do i call it as the continuity maturity delta bridge because if you look at it events if you look at the way infrastructure services run if you look at the ways the business continuity plans are documented and if you really look at the actual cmdb documentation you would find that the cmdb documentation is just limited to the cis related to it the configurable items related to people related to external vendors related to various services are not captured to the totality it's because it's too much of detail business continuity as we know is all about a lot of detail it's about counting every finger every nail every molecule in your body and that is something no one wants to do but or has moment, time to do when a disaster occurs absolutely and it is required to be done when you really see it raining heavy when you are really not knowing what to do so a cmdb when i call it as the uh, continuity maturity delta bridge what i mean to say is the bridge is as long as much as you have missed on capturing elements inside your configuration database so if you have missed on capturing the people who manage your infrastructure the bridge is long if you have missed upon certain elements that you require as services to be running on an infrastructure in the cmdb you will again have a longer bridge why a longer bridge because what is business impact analysis on the day of the event it's about knowing the whole list saying i need all these 5 million things to be there right now otherwise i cannot start working and if you don't have those 500 elements in your cmdb you are having a delta for enabling yourself to rise and that is what i call as delta bridge so what is the maturity part represent the maturity model in that is you may have a cmdb at an organizational level at the infrastructure management so that is level 1 you need to drop it down and bring it down to a function level so there will be a high level cmdb there'll be a function level cmdb now every function has a service that service will have another cmdb every service has an activity that activity would have a cmdb and every activity has a standard operating procedure you need to have a cmdb at the at the standard operating procedure so this is the five levels level 1 level 2 level 3 level 4 level 5 and that's how you get your maturity model of of having nothing in the beginning then coming inside into a repeatable mode with the corporate one then getting into a defined one with the function level coming in then getting into a managed one with the further operational one coming in and then coming inside the op optimized one when you have the activity and the sop both getting linked up to the cmdb and making it a five level maturity capable activity for the organization the moment you do this you will never have failures the moment you don't have failures you're never going to have losses when you don't have losses you're going to be continuously on and when you're continuously on you're only going to get continuous profits coming inside you're never going to have a blackout you're never going to have a brownout so when both of these things are not going to be there you are just going to be getting profit 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 and your graph will only be going higher but to achieve what i'm saying it really needs effort and all the 10 fingers have to work together and make it happen and that's what it is about saying all in operational resilience and organizational resilience so that I'm is to, my I'm glad to hear you mentioned the uh, the SOP the uh, standard operating procedure i don't think they get referenced enough 
in business continuity because there's a lot of information there that can be leveraged. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you reference it. I don't, I don't think we reference it enough. Absolutely, Alex. The, the last piece that I would like to talk about is responsiveness. Now, what is responsiveness? Responsiveness is basically reacting to either a message, reacting to an alert, reacting to something that you observe, and reacting to something that you need to do. Now, when is all this going to happen? All this is going to happen only when you have a plan and you have the specified recovery time objective defined in the way that it needs to be and it does not make an individual start running a race of meeting the 4-hour rather than seeing that he's actually fit to meet the 4-hour. In the process of running to meet the 4-hour, if you are injured, you are going to have a medical emergency. Your responsiveness could end up to a disaster, to a further, to a further created disaster because you're already in crisis. In that, you create another crisis. So you need medical emergency and you need, beyond that, you need support for the person who's injured. So the first responders are not doing the continuity response, but they are taking care of someone who was a responder who got injured. So it's a responder's responder. So you'll have issues when you have responsiveness not happening in the right direction, in the right way, especially when your recovery time objectives are not right, when your BIAs are not right, when your response plans are not right, and when there is limited involvement of people inside doing the activities. So this is the fourth very important aspect that I just want to talk about when it comes to uh, you know, uh, building up uh, continuous profit. So responsiveness is something that is going to bring in the profit for us also. I'm assuming yeah. with responsiveness, based on what you were just saying, you know, to, to um, um, basically validate your, your responsiveness and the plans and that, that that would lead into exercising and testing and things like that, correct? Yes. Now, exercising and testing. Alex, you've touched upon a very important and interesting topic for me. So I'll just like to, I'll just like to bring you in uh, to a situation. Okay. <clears throat> in the erstwhile time, we had exercising being done with only building evacuations being executed. It was an OEP exercise that was being done in the 1980s, 90s. People used to just evacuate the building and they used to come back. It used to be an absolute security uh, protocol that is to be followed and it, it is to be orchestrated and done in a most fantastic for fashion if I have to say very good ATRs very good after action reports because everybody had all the time to do it okay then came when we started doing testing of business continuity so we still said okay get the tape restore the data let's check so there was a lot of enthusiasm because we thought we were doing something very different and we started doing it with great enthusiasm. Then came the process where we said that, let us see now we have site A, site B. Let's try to travel between site A and site B and see whether we are able to reach there and we can do it. We started doing it. And we started meeting it. We started failing, but we started saying that, you know, we have met it partially, we met it fully or X, Y, Z. Now, what was all this? This was all about building up teamwork when we are doing testing. But there was a cost involved for testing also. As much as it was being done out of fun and frolic and building up teams, there was also a cost because there was some production time being lost. There was some time in respect to testing time being lost. There had to be a budget for transportation and various other costs which was required, which we said as cost, but they were investments to just prove to ourselves that yes, everybody knows what to do. We know that if we go there, we are going to have everything working. And we also know that if something happens to this building, we still have another place to go and work. We probably didn't have so much of stress on the RTO, RPO, and that was not so much on a precision check. But we definitely uh, were validating whether we could work or not. Now came an era where we were all two years at home, which is COVID. 
So it brought in a lot of change for all of us. And we started testing work from home. We started testing, uh, you know, whether people are available. And we started testing whether systems are working because everything was remotely available. And then we had to see that it was all up and running. So there was a lot of system testing that was happening. Mm-hmm. Now comes the era when people are saying that we want to go back to office and work on a hybrid mode. So it's basically, you know, I want to work at home. I want to work in the office. So how am I going to test? What am I going to test? And the question today for many people is what to test? What am I supposed to test? So the most important thing that somebody has to test is vital records, which you have mentioned in your plans to be available. You don't have all records entered into your plan. You are giving references that this is this particular document is lying on this SharePoint at this URL and we will access it from the recovery site and bring it down and then use it. You may have a hard copy, but still you have references. Are we checking whether those references are alive? That's the first test. I don't need to do movement of people. I don't need to do uh, a nice uh, jungle gym race. No, what I just need to do is to check what I've written. Is it right? And is it available? That's the first thing I want to check. The second thing I want to check is, am I responsive before I even begin using my plan? If I get a phone call, am I picking up my phone call? If I get an email, Am I responding to that email? If I get a short message, am I responding to the short message? And why is this becoming more and more important? Because everybody is today working in a city or a town which probably the office doesn't exist. Everybody has gone to their hometowns. Everybody is at their home working from home. So you probably have a lot of virtual offices existing lot of home offices existing, but the most important thing is that the span of responsiveness has got distributed to a wider range than what it had to be. So the most important element that has to be tested is, am I reachable when I send out a call tree message? Because what I want to know today is, are you okay? Are you safe? Are you well? These are the three things I want to know definitely. Yeah. Everything else, everything else is afterwards. But the first three things that I want to know is these three things that I said. The only drill that can make you get this confirmation back is a call. People may say that we do it, we get a confirmation. Yes. Are you getting a confirmation of 80% turnaround time in the first hour? Is the question. If you are not getting it, you are failing. And on, that note, and on that note, we've come to the end of our first segment. We're talking today with Harsha Sastry on the topic of how business continuity helps organizations reap continuous profits. And we will be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fulick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. 
Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Not enough women are talking about money. Lisa Chastain is aiming to change that. If you are feeling uncertain with your financial decisions, join us on Real Money, Mondays at 10 a.m. on the Voice America Business Channel, where you will learn how to become more capable with your financial choices. Listen in and hear stories from other women on how they tackled their financial challenges. You will learn from leading industry experts all the tips, tricks, and advice that you need to establish financial confidence and freedom. Listen in Mondays on Real Money with Lisa Chastain. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. listening to preparing for the unexpected with alex fullick email your questions to info at stone-road.com again that's info at stone-road.com now back to preparing for the unexpected welcome back we are talking with harsha sastry today on the topic of how business continuity reaps or uh, sorry helps organizations reap uh, profits um, harsha uh, with all the things that you gave us in the first segment, are there some uh, points that we should ponder to um, help create and uh, these continuous profits, as you as you uh, mentioned? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Alex, <coughs> uh, you know, I'm sorry for this, but I can just say something uh, sure. that um, I'll just like to give a few mnemonics to you uh, by the virtue of which it becomes very easy for us to understand. At the same time, you know, relate to what I'm trying to say. So I'll just go with A for alpha. So when I say A for alpha, what I actually mean is allow. And when I say allow, I mean to say that we should allow the next generation to start taking charge just like our ancestors gave us charge. So that is the alpha that we have to start driving ourselves towards by allowing the new leaders and the next generation to take over the continuity and the organizational resilience piece of, from our side. The B is for Bravo. And B is basically talking about begin when we are thinking that it is the end. So beginning is always when we think that it's the end and that is Bravo. The C for Charlie is about change and continuous, continuous change basically. C for Charlie is continuous change and also combat. So we should be in a combat state at all times and we should be in a change state at all times because we never know when an event or a crisis can strike. Exactly. So that is the C for Charlie. D for Delta is about the dollar. Whether it is discipline or whether it is the design or whether it is a drill, it's all about earning the dollar back and earning not only the dollar that you have spent, not only what you have invested, but something more back because that is all about profit. The E for eco is about enthusiasm, enthusiastic people, and the elasticity that you build in the entire program across the place. And I for India is all about innovation. Without innovation today, you would have the same old practices being followed but they may or may not be relevant in the given circumstances. So you need to keep innovating new ways for testing, for evacuating, for evaluating, because that's the only way a continuity program is going to progress for itself. When everyone feels that I have worked from home for COVID, so I have gained continuity. So what is it in continuity for me as I go back to office. So there is a piece of innovation and a thought process that a person has to get inside to see as to how the program needs to get recasted for actually building it back and making it move ahead. Just like I explained in my previous episode about testing, there are many things to test. You don't need to test only by moving out of office or by mobilizing people. You can test the plan to be thorough even by sitting at your desk at office. That is what I just want to say. So these are the points that I'm trying to say that we have to ponder around, uh, ponder around uh, uh, Alex. 
Well, I, I like the <clears throat> excuse me the point that you made uh, about innovation and the the testing. Um, you know, especially now that we're at home, because you have to test under all circumstances. You can't just test under um, the data center is down and then continually using that. Well, then you're only proving one thing. You know, a, a storm could happen the next day and nothing works. So Absolutely. by working, uh, sorry, testing or exercising with people at home has a whole new perspective on, on the plan and what will work and what won't work uh, you know, under certain circumstances. Absolutely. So uh, I would only like to say that um, as much as natural disasters are on the highest side of events across the world, we also have the other events occurring. Uh, the most important thing that the natural disasters have, have taught us is that we have to be capable of enabling ourselves to protect people, assets, environments. And that's the most important thing that we also learned in COVID. So fundamentally, it's all about asset protection, people safety, people wellness, environment safety, as well as various elements of continuity, which make the difference. The other aspect that has emerged today, if I have to really speak about, is about data. So how are you going to bring in the data integration for becoming innovative? The moment you have data, you are in a position to have a lot of analytics done. This analytics is really going to pinpoint to you the areas in an organization and the planning systems which really need attention. The moment those attention areas are identified, you are able to recalibrate your plans and you are able to recalibrate everything by the virtue of which you're again going inside a journey to bring in profit back because you've identified the gap. So it's all about data. It's all about analytics. It's all about technology. It's all about natural events. It's all about people. It's all about environments is what I would just like to say to bring in that profit that we require by having a consistent and cohesive continuity plan, which is complete and competitive enough to run mm -hmm. across the ocean. That's what I would like to say. In your notes, I, I was just looking at them here. Um, you talked about uh, goals, vision, mission, and the epicenter. Yes. Can you talk a little bit more about those, What, uh, especially what you mean by epicenter? Okay. Now, when I, when I, when I want to talk about uh, the strategic intent, it's very important for everyone in the organization to understand what is the strategic intent of having a continuity program itself. What is the strategic direction that the organization is trying to look forward towards? What are the goals? What are the visions? What is it in for me so that I can go and achieve a piece of that goal so that the organization's goal can be achieved? So until and unless the strategic intent is not understood, just like you would not be able to do an action if you do not know the reason why you are doing that action. What is the contribution of your action towards the profitability of an organization, towards the capability of an organization towards the maturity of, of the organization. Only when you understand that your contribution of performing a drill, your contribution of writing a plan is ultimately going to make the organization get that 100 marks of being called as an organization resilient place to work. An individual is not going to contribute to that 5%, which he does, in order to achieve that 100%. So it's all about understanding that even if one individual does not perform in the space of continuity, you're actually dropping the ball because the whole organization will not be able to meet the recovery time objective, the recovery point objective, and various other objectives that we state in a continuity mandate for an organization. So it may not impact all processes, but it could impact a single process. 
and god forbid that single process could be the most critical process for an organization mm -hmm. and hence we would not have the capability of doing it. it it could be as simple as a process of a person switching off the mains and enabling the generator to start on so it could be a, it could be a very simple process as such but if he is not aware if he is not written his sop if he doesn't know how to go and switch it on you just don't going to have power in that particular block or in that building that day and you would be having a blackout resulting in so many people not being able to perform so that is what exactly i am trying to relay to an activity a single process at the same time a capability to bring in a lot of profit so that is what i meant to say when i meant to say an epicenter epicenter is basically the focal point of being continuously available and enabling one to earn a lot of profit by the virtue of continuing services and doing work at all times that okay. is the crux of the story now the next one you talked about shift right or or um let me get the words wording right here uh shift right or left dynamic absolutely now this is all about agility so when you say that you are an agile organization when you say that you are an agile organization you should be able to know to prioritize your activities whether you need to move them ahead of time or whether you need to move them a little bit far away from time for example if a function is in the process of going live it could be better to shift left the testing of the plan so that you know even before you go live that your continuity plan is in action and you know the gaps before you go and activate your go live state so you have a plan even before you start otherwise if you are looking at it move right shift right what are you trying to do you are trying to shift the testing to a further date after you have gone live so you are bringing in a factor of risk of operational risk which is a gap of not knowing whether you have completely covered everything that you need to cover and you are taking a risk and a chance of moving it right and saying that i shall test it ahead and let us see till then whether we are able to sustain i i've so worked at uh, i've worked at places that have done that um some places have said within 30 days of going live with something or implementing something within 30 days they have to hold some sort of a disaster recovery test if it's it and others you know have said that business continuity plans have to be updated within 30 days and i've been in other places that said you can't even go live until you've done a a disaster recovery uh, test and updated business continuity plans it's actually one of the uh check boxes type things that allow you to go live if you don't have that Absolutely. you're not going live one of the prerequisites i should say is to test your plan before you go live that's the right way to do planning because then you know what you're written and what you're going to do is actually going to work otherwise you're going to work and then you're and you're just having a perspective that it's going to be working but it may always fail yeah so you're leaving it to chance yeah which can be very absolutely. dangerous <laughs> absolutely so number 3 the next thing you you talked about is recalibration sharpening and challenging what were you talking about there okay so when i'm talking about recalibration and sharpening oneself i am talking about making a process so well defined and so well polished that it can operate at a speed which only reduces your turnaround time so the processes which are required to keep an organization running if calibrated if tested if practiced on a regular basis the only thing that will happen is that due to practice 
the individuals performing that action would be able to find methods of executing that action in a better way in a faster way thus reducing the overall rto or the overall process time enabling an organization to be active even before time so it's all about sharpening oneself so it's it's just like you know one individual trying to exercise on a regular basis so that he is strong as an individual at the same time he is also strong from a point of view of reaction mm -hmm. it's always said that you just test with all your sweat in such a way that when you really have a disaster it's just another test you don't need to stress out on that day when there is a problem and say oh i need to do x y z things i need to do y you know y plus x things and then only i am going to be recovering because you are doing it every day you would be in a position to react and redo it in a more simplified way on the day of the event so practice makes an individual perfect is what i'll say well i guess that's you know if you're doing that every day um you get better at situational awareness so that when Absolutely. different things happen you're much quicker and your ability to adapt to the this new set of circumstances is better and makes you stronger right and, and ultimately will make the organization and plans and things like that uh, better responses right absolutely absolutely it's all about you know muscle memory i should say because you're doing the same thing day in and day out you would be in a position to react in a more solid way on the day that it is required because you never know on which day which action would be required that's right yeah who knows when things are going to happen absolutely um and the last thing um and we kind of talked about this already was testing um and we only have about 4 minutes left um but so i must will just ask you know do you have any final thoughts on testing or final thoughts overall well uh, you know i would just say that final thoughts of testing is uh, basically uh I would like to just tell people a small story in these last four minutes of mine, and that story is a well-known story that all of us have heard uh, as children, and we continue to hear that story. It's not anything else, but it's about the hare and the tortoise. So it's all about not about coming first. It's all about being consistent in your activity so that you reach. faster to the target rather than presume that because i know to sprint i can run faster but that is not the case always so it's all about winning together and it's all about enabling oneself to understand that it is consistency in an individual's action to keep moving towards the target with real focus just like the tortoise did and it went and reached the target in the hair being a sprinter being the fastest person probably left behind because of various reasons we are not saying that the hair is bad or the tortoise is bad what we are saying is it's just a story to for us to hear and it's just a relationship that i'm trying to build in this episode of ours so that the audience enjoys this and it's only that once we are focused once we know we have to reach the target once we are driving ourselves towards it slowly steadily we are going to win the last things that i like to say in this final thoughts of mine is about something that we are all experiencing as covid transitions of boosters so i like to give some boosters to everyone in the form of alex so what is alex all about alex is a a for alex a for alpha is about being alighting from the train and boarding another one so that is the a of alex l for lima in alex is all about listening so listen to someone who's speaking because you learn when you listen e is for eco and e of alex is about education educate through awareness is the only thing that one can do 
in this scenario and that is the biggest booster an individual has to give so that you are able to educate and share with people what you know and the last one is x of alex which is the x axis and the x ray so basically the x axis here is two things one is x can also have time x can also have value so whether it is a value or whether it is time it elongates or it depreciates depending upon the value that you are trying to generate out of it so the shorter the time the more the money that you generate the longer the investment the more the sturdiness that you build in an organization so whether you put a dollar on the x or whether you put a time on the x axis you are only going to win and x ray is all about being able to have the capability of visualizing an unexpected event and trying to prepare for it just like i am here on this show with you alex preparing for the unexpected thank you very much for your show and hosting me on this one thank you cuz on that we actually have come right to the end of the show Harsha, thank you very much. I, I can't say uh, that anybody has ever used my name uh, as a description like you just went through before. So that was kind of interesting. <laughs> thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate you sharing your time and your knowledge with us today. I greatly appreciate that. Thank you very much, Alex. God bless you. And to everybody listening and watching, stay prepared. Everybody. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for preparing for the unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host Alex Bullock next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.